0: Isaiah chapter 6 is a revelatory chapter of God's glory and man's calling, the calling of a prophet. It begins like this In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah is putting a time stamp on this 740 BC, in the nation of Judah. Israel had already split. And there's a crisis in the land. The king is dead. A political crisis over the nation. Who's going to lead and rule now? Uzziah was known as a man who was good and right before God. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's amazing. For years, Judah prospered under this king. Now he's dead. But there was a problem with Uzziah towards the end of his life, 2 Chronicles 26. 2 Chronicles 26 tells the story. You should read it. 2 Chronicles 26 tells us that this good king Uzziah became proud. He thought he was all that. He thought he was so powerful and omnipotent and and amazing that he decided to offer incense to God as the king. He decided he would walk into the very temple where the priests are to operate and minister, and he decided to go where the very high priest could go, and he offered incense before the Lord because, of course, he's good King Uzziah. And the priests went crazy, and I don't care if you're the king or not, we're dealing with God here. And they ran into the temple and they yanked the king out and they pulled him and said, what are you doing? You have trespassed into the realm you do not belong. God has set an order to his kingdom. God has set an order to his approach, to his holiness and to his reverence. And you have trespassed against that and walked boldly in to offer what the priests should offer. And they commanded the king, get out of here. The king was indignant and upset until a spot of leprosy formed on his forehead. And everyone was shocked. And God moved in justice. And leprosy began to break out over King Uzziah's face. He then left, ran home, and stayed locked away for the rest of his reign, separated from all the people. It's interesting that what's taking place here in Isaiah 6 is very similar to what happened with Lucifer in the courts of heaven. Where once offering praise and worship, he was the highest cherubim to offer worship as Isaiah 14 tells us, and Ezekiel 28 describes how this morning star, this Lucifer, this bright, shining one, this burning one, had offered praise till he got too prideful in his own heart and trespassed on the holiness of God, saying he could exalt himself higher. Uzziah had mimicked that same thing. Now King Uzziah is dead. Isaiah is troubled. And Isaiah wonders what is going to happen with the kingdom of God in Israel. And he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know, I don't know what you're going through. I can't sum up what this nation's going through. But more importantly, what this world is going through. This is a global crisis we are in. But I want you to know, no matter what the crisis is on this planet, God is still on the throne. He is seated in the heavenlies, and what the church needs more than ever is to see the Lord high and lifted up. The king may be dead, the king may be dethroned, the king may be evil, pride may increase, this world may be going to hell, but God is in charge. I saw the Lord. And What does he say? He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. What is a throne? A throne is the seat of authority. If there is one who has all authority in heaven and earth and below the earth, it is God. In fact, that authority was given unto Jesus Christ. Seated at the throne, interceding day and night for the people of God. His majesty is something we need to behold. And he says he is high and lifted up. That terminology, high and lifted up, is an exclamation of his authority and glory. He is high. In other words, there's no other power or authority greater than him. Uzziah is dead. The king is dead. We have no king. Oh, yes, you do. And he is high above any earthly king or earthly authority or financial situation or whoever thinks they're in charge. Or whatever ideology is taking the grip of humans' minds, God is on the throne. Somebody get that right. See him high above all other authorities. And it also says he is lifted up. Now that's a term that means all will praise him and exalt him and extol his virtues There's one thing that will happen when you enter into the presence of God. You will extol his virtues. Every fiber of your being, every cell, everything that is within you will confess he is Lord. You'll fall on your face, your body will quake, and every cell will scream he is Lord. Because that is reality. That is reality. He is lifted up he will always be lifted up because everything that is created was created by him and was created for him and so everything in response resonates to him as creator god of all whatever our condition is in when you see the lord high and lifted up there is no other response but to exalt him in all of his majesty. Oh, we must worship him. Some of you go to chiropractors to get yourselves realigned, to get yourselves cracked and reassembled and restructured. Just get in the presence of God and everything will come into alignment. He is high and lifted up. And the train of his robe Filled the temple, the temple in heaven. The train of his robe. You see, kings had glorious robes that they would wear to display their power and authority. They were groomed for beauty and glory, and, and when you would see them, they would have a robe. And on the end of their robe, it was called the train, the length of their robe talked about how many kingdoms they have conquered. It was tradition in this time that when a, a, a country would go out at war with another country, when they would defeat that country, they would seek out whatever king was there and they would cut the hem of his, thro- of his robe and take it back to the king and sew it onto the train of his robe. How many of you know he is the king of all kings? He is the lord of all lords. He rules over all kingdoms and all authorities. The train of his robe is that he is the conquering king, the lord of glory. No matter how many civilizations and armies and countries have fought and have existed, he has taken the authority over all of them and rules from heaven. His robe fills the temple. His glory fills the temple. King Uzziah is dead. Oh, but there's a king I saw on the throne. Now back off from that throne and look up. It says that he is high, but set above his height is a speaker system an amplification system of seraphim they're a unique angelic being that god had created simply to proclaim his majesty above the throne isaiah saw the seraphim and these seraphim are unique because they have six wings they have two to cover themselves because they're so close to the presence of god's own glory They cover their face with two wings. They cover their feet, their creatureliness, with two other wings. In other words, God provided covering for them in his presence. And then they have two more wings so that they can sustain themselves up above his glory. (coughs) Uniquely made to fit a unique position and office. The seraphim begin to cry. This cry has been going on since the day they were created. And they cry out one to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth. (coughs) I would imagine they would have said the the heavens are full of his glory. But they're decreeing, decreeing his glory into the created physical realm. King Uzziah is dead, but the earth is still full of the glory of God civilizations rise and fall but the glory of God remains in all of creation for all of creation displays his handiwork his glory and his majesty no matter what mankind does in repugnant sin on this planet the glory of God is never marred in its beauty we can be destroying this environment we can be destroying each other but God's revelation in creation is still glorious we live some 70 to 90 years and we die but god's glory continues continues bless you i took a week off from speaking and now i can't speak Seraphim is a name, is a term. We have cherubim, those mean covering angels. But the seraphim, the word seraph has two meanings in Hebrew. Seraph means burning. They're the burning ones. They are flames of fire. You can't see their face because it's covered. You can't see their feet because it's covered. You see them just floating and flying in movement and the flutter, it looks like fire. Burning above the throne of God. <clears throat> Another word for seraph is serpent. It's speculated that they are burning, fiery creatures that are like serpents. Which is interesting because when God made Adam and Eve, something appeared in the garden and started talking to Eve, and Eve was not bothered by the idea that a seraph was talking to her. We've always figured that it was some kind of a salamander creature that came up to her as a snake, but the Hebrew word is seraph. Could she have not been surprised that this thing talked to her because it was something that was near the throne of God and that had been declaring the praise and glory of God? It was a seraph, all right. It was the seraph of all seraphs. It was Lucifer. And he had rebelled against God and now wanted to destroy the glory that had filled the creation of earth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his what? Glory. And he came down to destroy what he once praised God for. (coughs) He was a seraph. Isaiah 14 says he was found walking in the garden. He was once covered in all the jewels and gems and the beauty of God's own light reflected off of him. He was a covering cherub. He was one who had been exalted to the place of worship and led. Every timbrel and instrument was in him. He was one of those who cried out. And now he opposes God. Like King Uzziah. I don't care how many rebel against God. God will never be defeated. And his glory will never be diminished. The seraphim cry out, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. They just speak to each other because there's nothing else that they can say. They are above the throne of God, and everything that they view emanates from the throne of God. They see God dispatching angels. They see God administrating in the earth and in the heavenlies. They see everything God does, and all they can do is say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You think they might get bored, but not when they see everything God does. When they begin to catch the revelation that, oh, he went and he sent someone to Roseville, Michigan. (coughs) He dispatched angels this morning. He dispatched his will and his purpose. The Holy Spirit is moving in Christ's community church. And you know what the seraphim say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he's answering prayers on the streets down here. He's answering prayers in China, in Japan, in South Africa, in Israel, in every nation on the planet. (coughs) He's answering and ministering. He's seeing all of this. Uh, The angels, the seraphs are seeing it. And there's only one thing they can say. Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with His glory because His eyes are upon this planet. His eyes are upon you, His people. And heaven is shaking. It says, the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of them who called and the house was filled with smoke. These burning ones are burning in such power and passion to the Lord. Wait a minute. It's getting ridiculous. God, give me a voice to share this. I'm not ill. I'm just pumped. Oh God. Can you imagine the burning ones who are churning to the glory of what they see God doing? That heaven is rumbling and moving and smoke is filling that place because they're burning so powerful. Why isn't there any smoke in this house? Why isn't there any burning in us? Because we're not seeing the Lord high and lifted up. We're seeing the po- politics, the economics, our own problems, our neighbors, our dysfunctions all around us. We're not looking high enough to see the glory of God and to burn till we're smoking hot to the glory of God. That's why we gather to sing and try to echo what's going on up there. God, bring heaven down. God, bring heaven down. Bring it into our worship. And as Isaiah saw this, there's only one response and one reaction he could have. Oy Ve. Woe is me. He found his humanness in the presence of God's glory and the angelic realm and he found his creatureliness. I am but dirt. I am made of the dust. And he says, I am lost. I mean, when you have an image of God There's nothing but humility left. When you understand who he is, you understand who you are. There's no room, no no flesh. (coughs) No flesh shall glory in his sight. No one is going to say, hey, look what I did. No one is going to say, ha, I made it. No one. When we see the majesty of God, that's in fact why we have to have resurrected bodies. If we don't have resurrected bodies, we'll disintegrate in his presence. He has to provide what he provided for those seraphs, a new body for us to stand in his presence. Isaiah, the prophet of God, said, woe is me. I've been prophesying for the Lord, but I never saw this before. I have never come to this revelation before. It's never too late for a believer to have a revelation of God like you've never had before. If we think we've seen the best of Him, we lack. How many of you want a greater revelation of His majesty and His glory? God, we're hungry for that. Hear us today, God. It's not too late for us. It's not too late for your church to get one glimpse of your majesty, one glimpse of your glory. Have you ever been at the altar? Have you been on your knees at home? Have you ever been in your car? Have you ever been in a situation where for a minute, a second, you touch the hem? For a second, you get a revelation of who he is. And in that second, it takes care of years of pain and sorrow. Says, woe is me, I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. He said, I'm undone. The, the, when you look at the root word of that Hebrew, it means that my bones are falling apart. I am being dismembered. <coughs> I can't hold it together. He literally felt like he was collapsing. That's why whenever anybody would be in the presence of God or a, an angel or the Lord Jesus resurrected, what was the first thing they did? Fell to their face. You can't sustain under your own power the ability to stand in his glory. Glory. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. You're a prophet, buddy. Your whole gig is what comes out of your mouth. What does it mean to have unclean lips? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're not just talking about swear words or cussing. That's unclean. But how dare our lips... Utter lies. How dare our lips criticize. And gossip. And slander. To speak accusation. To malign other people. To complain. To argue. To doubt. To fear and to betray God. All of that was realized in isaiah because i think he was complaining the king is dead you got a plan and in the presence of seeing god he realized i need to shut my mouth i'm a man of unclean lips There's a problem with us in America. We think that, well, since I believe I'm good, my actions and my words are forgiven. But if we truly hold the spirit of holiness within us, how can we speak and let exhaust out of us such unclean things? Because what should be coming out of us is what the seraphim having coming out of them, declaring the glory of God. Now, we need to be able to complain. We need to be able to struggle. We need to be able to vent. I understand that. But let us not begin to slice and dice and cut down other people that God died for on the cross. No matter how wicked they are, they're the ones God died for because you were in that place, I was in that place. It's interesting to me that when the prophet had a revelation of God, the first thing he realized is that he speaks wrong. Could it be the church has been so ineffective over the last 50 years because we speak wrong? We're not speaking the gospel. We're not declaring the majesty of Christ. We've got a different agenda. I leave that to the ministry of the Lord in our lives. But immediately at the finding of his own dysfunction and his people's failure... As he is repenting before God and becoming self-aware, there is an angel. The seraphim, who decree and declare the goodness of God, move to the altar and take a burning coal off the altar with tongs. Now get this. He takes it off the altar with tongs and puts it in his hand. Doesn't burn his hand because he's a burning one. Why didn't he just reach his burning hand on the burning altar? Because that is not the order of God. That seraph had no right to touch the altar. But there were tongs for him to touch the altar. Why such detail? Because of upholding majesty of the Lord do we take that much care in approaching our God do we really align ourselves with his majesty and his glory ah he's buddy Jesus he's pal hey Jesus yeah listen I'll get to you later take care of me and all my needs amen could you provide a parking spot close to the door for me? We look for all these little, little things Jesus will do for us when there are great things he has for us to do. And this seraph, by the commission of God, flew from his, flew from his appointed place of worship to meet One man's need. God will alter heaven and earth to answer your needs. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for you and I. The majesty and glory of God will be interrupted because his love transcends everything and he loves us that much. In the middle of worshiping God's glory and majesty, a seraphim interrupts his order of worship to come with a tongue and take a burning coal, put it in his burning hand and place it on Isaiah's lips. To cleanse and heal his foul mouth. If it touched his lips, it touched his heart. And it changed him forever. He touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for somebody tell me who the burning coal of the altar of God is it's Jesus Christ God took the burning coal of salvation and forgiveness and sent it to this earth that Jesus would burn as the light of God for all to see and he sacrificed himself on that cross to touch our unclean lips, and to cleanse us from all sin so that we could stand before a holy God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him. Then I heard. You see, you get God in the right place in your life. Now you can hear. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? We're all asking God, Who are you going to send to fix this? Who, who, who are you going to put in the right place for us? Who's going to be our hero? And the God puts... The Lord puts it back to us, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? I'll tell you who you should send. I've got a list of people that I think qualify. They got enough money, if, if only you could save these, you ever hear people say, oh, if God could only get a hold of, you know, whoever, oh, if Elon Musk could get saved, boy, what could happen to our planet? Gee whiz, if we could get somebody back in office as president, I won't even mention the name. If we could get this, if we could get that guy standing before the Lord, Isaiah hears the one thing God says over and over, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And see, when you have a revelation of God, something changes in you. You see, he felt so inadequate. He felt so a failure. He felt so undone before God. But God took care of that. And once God took care of that, ooh, 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 send me! Here I am! One man, one woman, who has a revelation of God will change this planet forever. It will change your family it will change your neighborhood it will change your city it will change the world if we would see him high and lifted up and everything within us would give him glory and we would receive the cleansing and the purging that he offers to all of us and when he says who can I send we'll all yell and shout standing up here am I send me What will it take for you to have such a vision? Prayer and worship and seeking the Lord. Those who confess and those who witness for Jesus are people who have seen and know the Lord. That's you. I would have to say we probably witness in relation to the level of our understanding of him. How many of you would say I don't witness enough? Then I need a greater revelation of him. We keep praying for boldness. You know what I pray for? To see him high and lifted up. This boldness isn't going to come out of some kind of bravado that you have. It'll be because you've seen God high and lifted up. You've had a revelation of just who Jesus is. You've come to the knowledge he, he is who he says he is. In the year that King Uzziah died, in the year that our nation was in trouble, in the year of turmoil and in the year of problems, Everything got solved in my understanding because I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Church, the height we have to go to is on our knees to see the Lord. Read, lend yourself to the Spirit, pray. Worship that God may show you who he is. That you would become a burning one.